0: As was mentioned earlier, we are blessed today, each of us, with the opportunity to assemble and to gather. And certainly as I look over the audience, not only a large host of the membership at Pippin, but so many visitors have come our way. We're delighted and thankful for the presence of each and every person, and it's our genuine hope that at least for the next few moments we can be encouraged and lifted by consideration of a portion of the blessed and sacred Word of God. I hope that with the Bible that's before you, perhaps you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. That's that text that Brother Cale read to us just a moment ago, and a part of that will lead us into a consideration of perseverance. Some introductory thoughts that will at least prompt us to a consideration of those matters might be these. Isn't it true that in the Word of God you and I find the encouragement to so many attributes in life? You and I are admonished to be honest, and to be forgiving, and to be kind, and to be obedient. And that list could be extended at length. It might well be that in Second Peter 1, beginning in verse number 5, we have an additional listing that will move us in the direction of at least a part of the lesson today. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That listing has pointed out this. There are some things such that if we do not seek to add them to life, we are spiritually blind. We will be found lacking at the day of judgment. We will be sorely regretful. But yet he said those that add those things are not only purged from their old sins, they are in a state of blessedness considering God. Did you notice one of the elements in that list? Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance patience. That word patience means steadfast endurance. That word patience means perseverance and it is that that'll be our consideration, our subject for the day. What does the Bible say about perseverance? What does it say about a steadfastness in the sense of not quitting or giving up? I'd invite you to think with me about that very topic for the next few moments. I might suggest, in light of those next matters on that slide, we live in an age and in a time when, quite frankly, it's more challenging to be perseverant, isn't it? Isn't it true that our society, by seemingly its very nature, we've got computers, seemingly, that will give us answers, at least if you know what to do, quickly. Our bosses and our job personnel demand things ever more quickly. They don't want you to persevere in terms of taking a long time to develop the answer. They want it so often, quickly. In the circles of education, isn't it the same? We expect our students, at least in colleges, for over a period of about 15 weeks to master an extensive amount of material. You can't take years to learn it. You've got 15 weeks and no more. So often in our neighborhoods it's the same. I might suggest that it has come to the point when it may be perseverance is even more challenging than it once was. It will be of value to us to ask what does God say about perseverance because isn't it true in the Christian life perseverance is required. Let's devote the rest of our time to thinking about perseverance and maybe we'll prompt and begin that study in the following way first by attempting to define it a little bit more carefully. Here's one definition of the word. A steady persistence in a particular course of action. Perseverance has to do with a continuance, a steady willingness to persist until the job is completed. Some might state it like this, not quitting. Some might say it like this, don't give up. Some might say it like this, a willingness with determination to pursue until the final result and the final course is known. I'm sure that many of us can recall circumstances in life when someone encouraged that of us. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was an athletic coach of some kind who encouraged us to our very best knowing all the while that great persistence would be required. I believe as we move through the lesson today, we'll find that the Bible has a fair amount to say about perseverance as well. As you move near the closing part of that opening slide, I would invite you to look with me at just a few of these verses. As we pointed out earlier, in many circles of life, perseverance seems to be a questionable thing. With God, it must not be questioned. If you and I lack perseverance if we lack persistence, if we lack stick to as perhaps some older folks would have said it, then we need to remedy through the power of God and the teaching of His Word that shortcoming. Look at these verses. You might want to turn with them and cast a spotlight upon them as we listen to God speak about perseverance. In the second chapter of the Roman letter, as Paul addressed the congregation in Rome in verses 6 and 7, he had these very telling statements to make. As he spoke about the nature of judgment, he said, Speaking of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds? And that alone is a dramatic teaching, isn't it? Every individual receiving that which is the just recompense of his or her deeds. But then the next verse, To those who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for honor and glory... Immortality, eternal life. Let's pause there. Paul made reference to those, there are some, who by patient continuance in well-doing. It's very interesting the way that Paul brings that statement before us, again with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Patient continuance, that word in Greek has to do with perseverance. Perseverance. It has to do with a prompting consideration of determination until the task is completed. God says to those that persevere, with that perseverance directed toward honor and immortality and glory, eternal life awaits for them. Now, might I ask, all of us, I'm sure, have a strong desire for eternal life. We want to entertain the entrance into heaven. We want to be blessed with the glory that shall be ours and those there that enter that glorious place. But yet Paul here affirmed that perseverance is a required matter if one is to arrive at that place. Are you and I as perseverant as we ought to be? Are we too quick to throw up our hands and say, I want or I can't? Are we too quick to say, I don't have enough nerve to stick with this? It's just too demanding. It's just too hard. You'll notice one of the statements at the top of that slide. When things seemingly are smooth, perseverance is not as challenging, is it? But you'll notice that perseverance also is that state even when difficulties are challenging even when obstacles are enormous, even when resistance is substantial. Sometimes isn't it true that there are problems in life, perhaps our health, perhaps the circumstances that have come our way out of no particular choice of our own, and they make matters difficult and hard, and yet we still must be perseverant with respect to the things of God, mustn't we? As you can see at the very cl- closing statement of that slide, there are more verses that we might in passing consider. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, very last chapter of that First Corinthian epistle, Paul in a very brief way said, Watch you, stand fast in the Lord, in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. The church in Corinth was beset, and you and I know it well from a study of the previous 15 chapters a church that was overloaded with problems. They had questions about divisions. They had questions about how to partake correctly of the Lord's Supper. They had questions about spiritual gifts. They had questions about the resurrection. They had questions about going to courts of law, just to name a few. Paul said, stick-to-itiveness, perseverance is a matter of sore and required need. That hasn't changed, has it? In Philippians 4, beginning in verse 1, Paul addressed the church in Philippi, and it was to them almost identical language was stated. Stand fast in the faith. When you and I give thought to this matter of perseverance, at this point we have sought to appreciate the Bible's requirement of it. Let's move a little bit beyond that though. And ask, in what specific ways must you and I be perseverant? One of the first ways is this one. Being a disciple of the Lord, being a Christian, places upon us a requirement as it relates to perseverance in the Word of God. Many of you right now are holding a Bible in your lap, or you have one perhaps at your side. Perhaps you have a number of them in your house. Maybe you carry one in your car. Maybe you carry one in your pocket so that it's with you all the time. When you think about the Bible, you'll notice that one of the specifics of perseverance is we must be perseverant in this book. Let's see if we can develop more carefully some of those thoughts in this way. In John 8, beginning in verse 31, Jesus in speaking to some of those in His own day, very interestingly said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Lord stated at the very outset of that statement the following, If you continue in my word. There were those of that day whom the Lord then urged and suggested, and surely He admonishes all of us toward the same but He does leave that choice for ourselves, doesn't He? He won't make you or me be consistent in continuing in the Word, but if we are to be pleasing to Him, He demands it. Do I continue in His Word? Do you continue in His Word? That continuance might well be extended by this statement in 2 Timothy 3.14. On that occasion, wasn't it Paul who addressed Timothy, and even from an early age, he made this comment about Timothy. He said that he had continued in the Word from those early years in life. How special it is when we can appreciate our youngsters who participate in classes, and from an early age, the seed of truth is planted within them. From an early age, a respect for the Word of God is so powerfully and remarkably set before them. And they learn to appreciate that and that it has all the answers in life. And it has the only thoroughfare that leads to heaven. There's no finer and better place that our youngsters could be than in a place in which the Word of God is honored, revered, and exalted so highly. If you continue in my Word, the Lord spoke that to adults. You and I, as older individuals, do we continue in this too? Do we still put ourselves in position of learning what it says and respecting that? Perseverance is demanded there. There are so many avenues in life that capture our attention. We're surrounded by computers and cell phones and iPads and iPods and Internet, things that take our attention and capture it and move it in various and sundry places. And if we aren't careful by the time we carve out all of the hours that supply those things, how much is left for this? May we ever make sure that we don't root God out completely. We are complete in Him, Colossians 2 verse 3. It is such that it is in the Word we must be persistent in continuing. That perseverance is also seen in ways like this. There are some questions I've asked of each of us. Those questions are partly prompted by those verses in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Many have stated that that opening six verses, Psalm chapter 1, is a statement that leads us into the fullness of the rest of all of the Psalms. Did you notice in verse 2? That man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The inspired writer didn't imply that you and I need to literally be reading this book 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But he did say meditate. Do we find occasions in which we dwell upon it? We give it serious reflection? We strive to dig deeper within the blessedness of its teachings? It is a marvelous book, to be sure. It has no equal in any sense. You'll notice in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 97, we have in that particular section of that book, and I'd invite you to read with me the eight verses beginning in Psalm 119, verse 97. This longest chapter of the Old Testament in many ways has a natural division, and these eight verses comprise a powerful thought. Oh, how love I thy, thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditations. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I understand more. I'm sorry, verse 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Yea, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The psalmist in the long ago highlighted perseverance in the word, didn't he? When you give reflection to that thought, isn't it true that in that passage we learn this truth? that those who are perseverant in the Word of God receive the greatest of its blessings. Notice he said that he was wiser than many. He stated that he was more knowledgeable than many. And he didn't say that in an arrogant or haughty way. He stated that as a thankful and gracious blessing from his perseverance in the Word of God. There's even more, though, that we might and should say. It has to do with the following... That continuance in the Word requires this of us. A pursuit in all ways about the knowledge and the glory and the reality of all that is God. That's an expansive statement indeed, isn't it? For God is infinite in His understanding, Psalm 147 verse 5. Our God is such that there is no thought that can be withholded from Him, Job 42.2. Did Jesus say that with God all things are possible? Matthew 19, 26. In every one of those ways, we are admonished to have the mind of Christ in us. Philippians 2, 5. Let's continue that further with 1 Chronicles 16, 11. In the days of the long ago, wasn't it David? And in the very circumstances of his life, who was able to say, Seek the Lord continually. Every day of every week, it should be your goal and mine to seek the Lord, to do what He finds pleasing, to learn more about Him and His way, to mature in our appreciation of Him, to seek the Lord. We know that there are so many distractions in life. We're admonished to seek wealth, fame, popularity, notoriety, in many other ways to seek any number of things. May we never lose sight of the need and the requirement to seek the Lord continually. You notice in Hosea, we have yet another statement that reads almost identically. This time in Hosea chapter 12 verse 6. Here was a minor prophet who in nobility and in great majesty asserted that it was a needful matter to seek the Lord continually. So many in the days of Hosea were not doing that. The children of Israel, if you will remember with me, they had chosen the wrong path. They were worshiping idols. They were following many and various and sundry ways in life that God did not approve. You notice the prophet had the answer. Seek the Lord continually. That would solve all their problems. Today that will still solve the problems of America It'll solve the problems in your life and mine if we will but turn to the Lord and let Him give us the proper answers. As you'll notice the next matter on that slide, some of the statements in which Jesus so pointedly and yet in such a direct fashion pointed out a similar teaching. We recall in John 15 that rather famous description when Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. Think about what that implies. All the leaves and all the tendrils and all the features on that particular plant receive their nourishment. They receive their vitamins, their nutrients, their minerals, their vitality through the vine that provides them. Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. You and I without Him, thus we see in verse 5, no wonder He said, without me ye can do nothing in verse 6, he said, except ye abide in me and I in you. You'll notice there's that word if again. We are admonished, are we not, to abide in Him, to be perseverant in all ways, and to never allow our faith to wane, to waver, to be crushed, to never allow ourselves to become unfaithful. All the while, so many things in the world will encourage it. Those features perhaps lead us to the very bottom thaw that active pursuit of God. We'll highlight that more when we get to the next part in the lesson, but it seems from that point onward what an interesting consideration that is. Look with me at this, if you would. Let's use the remainder of our time this morning to develop more thoroughly that very passage that Cale read earlier. Please turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 7. On this occasion, as our Savior made these statements about perseverance, it was stated in a way that begins like this. We recall those three verbs. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. That's only verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 7. At this point, what are some of the things we can learn about perseverance based on that verse? As you can see, we're going to make a direct application to prayer, but it seems to have principles that will help us in other avenues of life as well. Let's consider this. Those verbs ask and seek and knock. Those imply perseverance starting from the following consideration. Although you and I might find it interesting to notice a bit about the actual tense of those Greek verbs, I've assisted us by actually writing it. Their voice, their mood, their tense, all are stated with this little phrase. They are imperative, they are active, and they're also present. To say that another way, that means that the action is ongoing. In essence, the Lord said, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. It's not just a one-time occurrence. It's not just a temporary or short-sighted reality. He said you have the mindset to keep on asking, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking. That alone leads us to see Jesus asserted that we should be persistent. We should be perseverant in our avenues of prayer. Notice what else might be said. As you think about that avenue, the character of those verbs, notice, there seems to be an increasing intensity associated with them. Think of it this way with me. If I were to ask you a question, I'm seeking to gain some information. I verbally can make that inquiry and you can proceed to answer. Notice that's asking, but then he said seek. That involves a more intense effort on my part. The question may not be easy to get its answer, but I continue to persist. I continue to ask. I perhaps even have to realize a degree of difficulty in finding the corresponding solution. But even that is not the end, for then he says, knock. Now there's an active pursuit on my part. I perhaps have to go to a certain location and actually ascertain the character of the answer. Jesus said, you ask. You seek, you knock. The Lord didn't just stop by saying you ask, did He? He asserted an increasing intensity that helps us appreciate that God is so interested to bless those that are His children. And He wants us to be persistent children as we proceed to ask Him things, as we seek matters of truth from Him, and as we strive, of course, to ever knock on the matters of truthfulness. Beyond all of that, notice what might come next. We find that this isn't the only application of these issues in the New Testament. For instance, in Luke chapter 11, we have a specific application to the arena of prayer. And there, the Lord phrased it like this. You well know that if a particular individual, and you might remember this story with me, Jesus said, suppose a person was already in bed at night... But yet his neighbor had a visitor, a friend to come and he didn't have any bread to set before the visitor. And so that neighbor comes to his friend who is his neighbor and says, give me some bread for a visitor has come my way and I have nothing to set before him. At first, the neighbor says, I'm already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything now. It's too inconvenient. I'm already asleep and so is my family. You'll notice though that Jesus continued by saying, yet because he continued to ask, he continued to desire, he continued in his persistence begging that something be given. Finally, the one gets out of bed, finds the bread, gives it to him. You'll notice the Lord taught a lesson on persistence, a lesson on perseverance. Maybe you and I can apply the same. Have you and I, upon serious reflection, found something very desirable in life? And we prayed about it, but the answer was not forthcoming. And after a little while, we gave up. We quit praying about it. We quit seeking it. We quit pursuing it. Perhaps that was to our detriment. The Lord teaches us to be perseverant. He teaches us to continually ask. If it is in our judgment, a reflection from the Scriptures, that that's a good thing and we continue to ask, we'll find in just a moment that God has a promise. In my prayer life and in yours, do we give up too quickly? Do we pray for our health that God will bless us continually with that? What about praying for other things that we value so highly? May we be persistent. You'll notice yet another example is Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. This time, as the Lord stated another lesson about perseverance, here it was a widow, And she came to the judge and she said, Avenge me of mine enemy. The judge at first was unwilling to assist or aid her in any way. But she continually came. She continually asked. She continually, in fact, made her presence known to him. And finally just to get rid of her, the judge gave her what she asked. Now the Lord wasn't saying here that God gets tired of us asking, but He was teaching about our perseverance. In fact, it was after these matters that at least Luke gives the version of what Brother Cale read for us earlier. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth and to everyone that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. We're admonished that God is interested in hearing our requests. He's interested in us approaching Him as any father is his own children. It is at that point that notice what comes next in Matthew chapter 7. "'What man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone?' Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? No loving father is going to give his son or daughter a snake when they've asked for something else because we understand a snake might be harmful. Depending on its kind, it could be deadly. We appreciate that a father's not going to give something that's harmful, something that's hurtful, something that in fact is deteriorating or decaying. So to here, verse 11 says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask Him? I suppose as we come then to the last element in the lesson this morning, all of that challenges us to think then about this. Do we ask Him? How often do we then attempt to face these issues and matters of life and we don't ask Him? You'll notice that in that passage, God didn't give the blessings to those that did not ask. Could it be that some of the problems and troubles and matters that I face, the lackings that I have are because I haven't asked enough? I haven't been persistent enough? I haven't persevered in prayer? Perhaps that could very well be a part of the problem. All of us can appreciate the seriousness of perseverance. As you develop some of these thoughts with me, we notice that here our Heavenly Fathers, in their loving way, always desire to give us what's for in our best interest. Would not much more than that be true of God? God loves you and me. We know that. He sent His Son to die for us. He wouldn't give us something that, in fact, would be purposefully harmful. Maybe because we don't ask, though He doesn't give us anything along the line toward that matter in life. Perseverance is an interesting thing, isn't it? As we come near the close of the lesson, one last set of thoughts, though, perhaps should be ours. The Bible does say that in terms of God granting those things we ask, those things are conditioned, aren't they? We can't just arbitrarily ask for anything and recognize He'll give it. I can't ask for a billion dollars and expect it to show up in a bank account tomorrow morning. I do realize that these conditions are stated throughout the Word of God. First one is in John 15, 7. Jesus there did say to those apostles, "'If you abide in My Word and continue therein, then whatsoever you shall ask, it shall be given.'" Those apostles had to learn that as long as they abided in and continued in His Word, that was the first condition. In 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15, we appreciate that for you and me today how needful it is to see that for you and me to have those petitions we ask of Him, we have to abide continually in the things He has asserted. I stated it in this language, asking according to His will. Do you and I ask in prayer according to His will? Or do we ask selfish things for selfish purposes? James 4.3 tells us God has no bearing to answer that kind of request. We must ask humbly with studious consideration to His will and then to ask with persistence and perseverance. I would invite each of us as we think about that attribute of prayer and that attribute of Christian living to perhaps close our lesson in the the following conclusion. There at the bottom, may you and I ask, may we seek and may we knock. for the Bible encourages us to do this, to be perseverant in our Christian life and especially in our prayer. At this point, the question then must come before us, what about your life and mine? Are you a faithful Christian? Are you one that is a child of God? If you have never obeyed the gospel, then you can't say yes to that. And at this point, may I urge you, please think seriously about your state. If you were to die this afternoon, we all know where you'd be. Don't let that fate befall you. Recognize the Lord loved you and gave His life for you. Why not become a child of His today? Believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If you have become His child, but you are no longer faithful... You have become un- You've You've given up on Him. You've given up on the Christian life. You've given up on prayer. You've given up on all the things that eternally are so meaningful. Don't make that mistake any longer. Come back to His sweet side and come back to your first love. If we could help you today in your response to the gospel to invigorate within you again a life of perseverance, why not, in fact, make the necessary changes? And if we could be of help to you, Why not do that now while together we stand and while we sing?